At Eastern Bank, we believe that growing business should also grow the community. That's why we work to give all business owners what they need to take their dreams to the next level. Our dedication to small businesses and communities has inspired us to create the Equity Alliance for Business program and become the number one SBA lender in Massachusetts for 15 years running. We're proud to be here for all businesses, big and small. See the good we can do for you by visiting easternbank.com slash business. Member FDIC. In late 2007, the remains of a young woman from the Casca Nation were discovered in the Yukon woods. I always think about, I want to know what really happened. So I travel north to try to understand what happened and who was involved. It's a pretty big risk to come forward with the information that I have. I'm David Ridgen, and this is Someone Knows Something, Season 8, The Angel Carlet Case. Available now. Hi, Seymour listeners. Shirley Leung here. For the holidays, we're going to be turning the mic around. So I invite you to AMA, Ask Me Anything. Send questions to Seymour at globe.com. Have questions about the state of media, podcasting, who has been my favorite guest? Seymour at globe.com. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to Say More from Boston Globe Opinion. I'm Shirley Leung. My guest today has a knack for writing books that become movies. Ben Mesrick is drawn to characters with big brains and messy lives, and stories about large sums of money being made in ethically questionable ways. He's written about card counters, tech billionaires, and oligarchs. Ben's latest book is called Breaking Twitter, Elon Musk and the Most Controversial Corporate Takeover in History. Ben lives in the Boston area and is here to talk about his new book. Ben Mesrick, welcome to Say More. Oh, thank you so much for having me. More than a decade ago, you wrote about Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, which led to the Hollywood movie The Social Network. You seem drawn to dramatic accounts of tech entrepreneurs. How long have you been watching Elon Musk and thinking he'd make a fantastic book? Yeah, I mean, I've I've been a fan of Elon's for a very long time. I mean, you can go back and I was shouting about Elon on CNBC Squawk Box. I mean, many years ago when Tesla was sort of first getting its legs going, um, I always thought of him as this incredibly brilliant Edison-like figure who was driving us towards the future. I'd reach out to Elon many times over the years saying, oh, you know, I should write your book. I should write your book. And we've had interactions before. Um, I, I was a, I was a fan, you know, and, and uh, I really thought that he was, um, someone who was changing the world for the better. I really did, um, up until a year ago, honestly think that that he was one of the great forces in the world, you know, moving us towards our future. So when did you think, I, I need to write a book about him now? Well, I mean, the new book, Breaking Twitter, really came about um, more recently. So he takes over Twitter and very quickly things spiral out of control, both for the site and for Elon personally. And um, so what I had wanted to do before, which was, you know, write about Elon because I was fascinated by him, became here's a movie unfolding in front of us. And and what I do is I look for cinematic true stories. My goal is I write a book that becomes a television show or a movie. I would never set out even to write a book if I didn't think it could live as a movie or a television show. And the drama inherent in what was happening, not just to Twitter, but to Elon, really, really turned me on. And I did start getting... um, 
calls from Hollywood. Uh, uh, so when when things started to spiral for him and a lot of the big events that I talk about in Breaking Twitter, that's when I started getting emails from producers and directors and people like that who were looking to tell this story. Um, and and that's when I jumped in. So what what originally was a fascination with Elon became much more of an interest in this particular story because I think it changes entirely who Elon is. So how would you describe Musk as a literary character? I think he's broken. Um, you know, the, the the tagline of my book is Elon Musk didn't just break Twitter. Twitter broke Elon Musk. I think everything we thought of Elon before no longer applies. I think this is a character who is larger than life, who was changing the world for the better, who got caught up in something he couldn't control, spiraled out of control, and is now... Um, Flailing um, is someone that half the world derides and hates. It's not reacting well to this disparagement. It's striking out in pretty awful ways, especially in the last couple of days as we move forward, um, and is is failing for the first time in his life and career, um, but is also becoming an object of uh, of of that you can feel sad for. I mean, I think all the people I talk to when I talk to many, many people who work with him and are involved with him, they all kind of describe a lonely, sad figure, um, not what you expect from sort of the, the most wealthy man in the world who lived this kind of storybook life. It's not at all the character of Walter Isaacson's book. It's not at all the person that I saw a year and a half ago. Um, it's really someone much more um, dramatic, Shakespearean um, and dark. I mean, well, speaking of Walter Isaacson, he also just wrote a book about Elon Musk. It's like 700 pages. He had unprecedented yes. access. So why? Right. That was his downfall. <laughs> <laughs> so the book Elon, you know, is Walter is the biographer of our time. Yes. He's a wonderful journalist, a wonderful writer um, who writes these big stories about really important people like Da Vinci and Einstein and Steve Franklin, Jobs. Yep. Steve Jobs. And he chose to write about Elon before Elon took over Twitter, was given incredible access and was writing the giant, glowing encyclopedic biography you would expect from Walter Isaacson. Then Elon took over Twitter. And instead of Walter realizing, in my opinion, what is happening here and how this eclipses everything else, he sticks it in as a chapter or two at the end of the book. And, and that's where your book picks up, right? It really is not the book Elon wants you to read. Um, he's turned one of the greatest brands that we've ever had into a cesspool. And, you know, I'm, I'm being harsh. You know, I'm not going to pull any punches because, honestly, you look at Twitter today, X today, as it's called, um, and it's just hate. It's outrage. It's lies. It's anti-Semitism. It's racism. Um, and this was supposed to be this beacon of truth, this global town hall. Um, and this was not by design. This was this was a, a series of mistakes and events that led to this place. So what happened to Musk? I mean, he 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 created a Tesla, you know, an incredibly successful electric vehicle company. He wants to he has SpaceX. He wants to send uh, people uh, to Mars. Right. Uh, but then in the last year, we have a completely different view of him uh, yes. as the owner of Twitter. I mean, what happened? Yeah, well, so he came in with good intentions. He really believed that there was something wrong with Twitter, that Twitter was over moderating uh, conservative voices, that it was being taken over by what he called a woke mind virus. Um, and he believed we're in this window of time where we can get to Mars. And that's the most important thing in the world. And if Twitter became this place of suppressing free speech, it would throw us into the dark ages. It's kind of a convoluted 
you know, reason to take Twitter, but that really was his reason. Then he takes over Twitter and realizes he's paying way too much. He makes on a huge offer. They sue him because he tries to get out of the deal. He can't fight the suit, so he walks into Twitter, but angry, fires all the people there with cause so he doesn't have to pay their bonuses, and he starts burning things to the ground. But one of the first things he does is he retweets a conspiracy uh, tweet about Paul Pelosi getting beaten up with a hammer, um, suggesting it was like a gay tryst gone bad. And this immediately starts to chase advertisers away who are already skittish, um, and, and things spiral from there. Everything he starts to do, like from revamping the blue check system. So it used to be, as we remember, on Twitter, if you had a blue check, you were vetted to some degree. It was either a celebrity or a journalist or a scientist. Some of them were were given away in, in, in you know, corrupt ways. But for the most part, it was people who actually had some level of experience or knowledge. Um, it wasn't an entirely fair system, but it was a system where you could see what was true and what wasn't. Elon throws that out the window and says, you pay eight bucks and you get a blue check and I'll boost your tweets. So this creates this really ugly system from the minute it starts. And from there, things get worse. You know, the spiral of events is he ends up going on Chappelle on stage with Dave Chappelle, getting booed to his face for the first time in his life. This is traumatic for him. Um, it leads to the next thing where um, he, there's a website uh, called Elon Jet, which is tracking his jet. Um, this leads to a stalker jumping on his kid's car in California. Elon freaks out about this in the middle of the night, just starts throwing journalists off the site. So obviously free speech has gone out the window. But why didn't this happen? Why didn't we see the side of Elon when he was running Tesla or SpaceX? What he thought when he walked in that you could engineer free speech, that this was as simple as building a rocket ship. And the reality is that social media and free speech is way harder than building rockets. It's not something you can science away. It involves people. Plus, Twitter is incredibly public. It's it's a megaphone to the world. So everything he's doing is in public. A lot of what went on at Tesla was very dramatic. There were firings at the table. There were, you know, it's, it's in Walter's book if you want to go into his biography. Um, but it's not out in the open. It's not to the world. And it doesn't involve social media, which revolves around speech. So when the, you know, the CEO or the head of Tesla says something to his employees that might be bad, it doesn't really change the value of Tesla. But when the CEO or the head of Twitter tweets out something that's, say, anti-Semitic, it's going to affect Twitter. Do you think Musk regrets buying Twitter? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I think that Elon reaches a point and in the book. You'll read it. And this was something that I, I reported you know, for the first time is that he ended up uh, so despondent after he tweeted a poll saying, should I stay CEO of Twitter? And the poll came back, no, which totally shocked him. He ended up locking himself up, you know, for a day in a conference room. And people at Twitter was so concerned that they were going to call in a wellness check with the San Francisco Police Department that he was trying to kill himself. So, yes, he 100 percent knows that this was not where he's supposed to be. It destroyed his reputation. Um, he brought on Linda Yaccarino to try and, you know, put a Band-Aid on it. She's supposed to be like Sheryl Sandberg, the adult in the room that makes Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg look like a real boy. Um, but Sheryl is has power. Linda has no power. She's brought into this thing, but Elon's still running the show. So she's desperate. At this point, you can see it. You know, he's doing worse and worse things, and she's still trying to meet with advertisers. It's an impossible situation she's in. Um, I don't believe she's going to be there for very much longer. Um, and and yeah, so it's it's a really crazy moment. So what's uh, Elon's way out? I mean, can he just sell Twitter? Well, 
yes and no. So the problem with Elon is he doesn't want to lose. Uh, for him, having it be a loss on the scoreboard is more, you know, devaluing to him than any amount of money he could lose. There's also tons of investors in this. So the problem is they have this huge debt burden. Um, he can spin it off, and that's probably what will happen. He'll walk away in some way or form if he doesn't get kicked out of his own company. I mean, lately, he's doing things that are so bad that all the advertisers that are left are now pulling their ads. Um, and I, he's really driving it into the ground right now. What he wants to do is turn it, you know, pivot into this everything app, which is, you know, a, a money payment site, a dating website, God knows what else, a video format site, everything but a global town hall. <laughs> he's walking away from the reasons he built Twitter, um, which is very sad, honestly, for those of us who really liked the platform. Um, I hope he ha hands it back to Jack Dorsey and walks away. But will he do something like that? It seems against character. Um, maybe if I make enough noise with this book, <laughs> he will. But so far, he seems to be entrenched and just digging in. So um, what do you see as the bigger story here about Elon? I mean, do you think it, it, it's social media, just a brutal industry that destroys people? <laughs> well, no, but, you know, people do social media and people do it well. But I think the bigger story is the destruction of one of our great people, is someone who really was a type of person Walter Isaacson would write a biography about, who has now become someone that I don't believe for a second Walter would write Elon today. Um, now, Walter will deny that because he's promoting a book, because his book is a big book. But I honestly think the biographer of our times would not write a biography about the Elon of today, who is a pretty much hateful character to most of the country. He still has this big fan base, you know? There's, there's people who just think Elon can do no wrong, just think of the long term. Yeah, he's making mistakes now, but in the future, he'll he'll fix everything. Um, but they're not seeing this character change that is happening, um, that the Elon who, who made sense before really doesn't make sense today. More of my conversation with Ben Mesrick after this short break. Across New England, commercial businesses of all sizes rely on Eastern Bank. We help clients grow by being able to answer their larger loan needs and by offering innovative solutions, smart decision-making, and one-on-one -on -one relationships. From franchise financing to community development and asset-based lending, our knowledgeable and experienced commercial team deeply understands your business and the communities you serve. See how we can help you meet your business goals at easternbank.com slash commercial. This is what it sounds like. Member FDIC. You were one of the people who really looked up to Elon Musk, you know, what he was doing at Tesla, what he's doing at SpaceX. And but but now what he's done to Twitter really exposed him as as, as a tyrant. And um, and uh, tell that story. And I, and I actually missed this. And I, I, I think this was in your this was in your book about how when SpaceX did that big launch. Yeah, the launch. Yeah. Yeah. This is good. By the way, if you lose me, you're losing everybody because I'm Janet Maslin once called me the billionaire's best friend. I'm the guy who loves billionaires. I love them. I love people who make massive amounts of money. I love people who are, you know, science fiction characters come to life. I love the Elon of SpaceX and Tesla. So Elon, you know, in the end of the story, basically, has launching his giant rocket to take us to Mars. It's a giant stainless steel phallus symbol for the ages. It's just massive. It's it's really the future in front of us. And all that's supposed to happen is it get off the launch pad. It doesn't, it's not going to Mars right now. And it launches, it has some problems and it explodes. 
And there's this great image of all these engineers leaping up and down, cheering, and in, behind them on the screen is a massive explosion. Um, in reality, this should have been celebrated. It's exciting. It's the first step towards Mars. But every single headline in every mainstream newspaper is failure, rocket explodes. It's a, you know Elon's explosion. And the reason is, is he's destroyed his reputation to the point where nobody in the media, fairly or unfairly, is going to be able to see this as a success. Um, and that's entirely on Elon. Uh, if he had done this same rocket launch two years ago, it would have been cover of every newspaper, you know, first step to Mars. Um, and that's that's the story. That's the story. The story is the the disintegration of Twitter and the disintegration of Elon. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize until I read your book that that was actually a success. Yeah, exactly. But it was a major success. Yeah. I mean, the, this massive rocket, which is going to be reusable, it's going to fly and land. Um, you know, his goal is to build tons of these and bring 10,000 people to Mars. Um, it's spectacular. I mean, it's something that one man has done. And that man is someone we should be proud of. But he's not that guy. He's the guy at Twitter retweeting anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. And and that's a hard thing for people to accept at this point. Okay, so did I, did I just hear you say you love billionaires? You don't hear- I do. You, I'm the only one left. That's because you don't I hear have a lot to of say, people I've say always, that. Yeah, why? What do you mean by that? I love billionaires. You're not supposed to say that anymore, I don't think. I know. There's two reasons. Okay, first of all, I've always maintained that what saves the world is a billionaire married to a scientist, is, is the idea of someone with massive amounts of money who also wants to use science to fix things. All right, who's that? Because, that or do we have any of those? Do we have a billionaire? Well, Elon was that. He is the billionaire and oh, the scientist. Oh, a scientist, got it. And so, okay. it, I mean, by married, is it's the same character. It doesn't have to be two people. Um, because it, it, you need massive amounts of money and the willingness to just spend it to build a rocket ship that big. Um, it has to be, rather than just buying a yacht, I'm going to take that money and I'm going to use science to fix a problem. So how does the story of Twitter end? Yeah. I mean, a year from now, will Twitter still be around? Will Elon Musk still uh, be owning Twitter? Yeah. So great question. So number one, I honestly think that breaking Twitter is an origin story, but it has an ending in that I feel like we're at the ending, which is really sad. Um, I really do think the Twitter that we had is dead. It's not the Twitter that it once was. It's not going to spark revolutions or anything like that anymore. So I think that Twitter is gone. I think it's just becoming a very angry little chat room. Um, engagement is going to keep down, drift down. There's no way that advertisers are coming back as long as Elon's there. Um, so it becomes a subscription site. Um, it's just not going to be Twitter anymore. So I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about the craft of writing. Sure. So you're not quite a journalist, not quite. but you do not quite, but you report and you write stories, uh, true stories. Yes. Um, so how do you do, how do you describe the category of writing that you're in? Yeah, I write narrative nonfiction that is cinematic. So my goal every time I set out to write a book is that it becomes a movie or a television show. I'm writing movies and TV as if they are books or I'm writing books as if they are movies. They're true stories. They're nonfiction. I do all the interviews. I research it. I spend as much time with the characters as I can, the ones who let me talk to them. Um, and then I write it like it's, you know, like you're watching a movie. Um, and uh, so in some ways I am a journalist. In other ways, I'm sort of more of the Hunter S. Thompson type. I love to compare myself to Hunter S. Thompson, but without the guns and the drugs and the suicide. I, I really, really, you know, love telling true stories in a way that 
you know, people like to read them. So it's a different thing than picking up a Walter Eisen book. Um, it's more that you're going to get the story, but in a way that that hopefully excites you and and makes you see, you know, Tom Cruise running around <laughs> acting it all out. So why not just be a screenwriter? I love that, too. I mean, I, I really love the book format. I grew up reading books. I love the idea of books. I think people should read books. And honestly, a screenplay is so limiting. Uh, the writer of a movie is only one little piece of a movie. Um, I want to be the writer and the director and the actor. And to do that, I need to write the book. You've already sold the rights of the book to be made into a series. Who do you think should play Elon? Well, I would love Ben Affleck. I mean, that would be my first choice. I think he's a perfect Elon. He's big. He's going to be hulking. He's a wonderful actor. Um, we're talking about Sasha Baron Cohen, I think would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Those are really two good great, characters, phenomenal right? Actor. Um, there's a lot of different people who could play it. I love the succession actors, and I think a couple of them could probably play the part. Um, who? who? I like Tom Wombach, the, the, the guy, oh, I don't know yeah. the actor's name. Um, he's, uh, he's, yeah, I think he's, he's the, he's, uh, Shiv's husband or ex, soon to be ex-husband. Yes. I think he can transform himself really well. It's really wonderful and has that kind of snide, narcissistic kind of like, he could play a good Elon, I think. Um, but you never know. I mean, when you go out to actors, you see who really sparks to it. We have a script and, uh, we'll be out with a, a pilot to people very soon. So what's next for you? What 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 are you working on now? Well, I've got a lot of these TV and movie projects going. So Breaking Twitter will be a television show. My book, Once Upon a Time in Russia, is going to be a show on Netflix. It's actually going to be Peter Morgan's next show after The Crown, which is an incredible oh, wow. moment. Um, and so that those two projects are in the works on television side. My book, Wooly, uh, is being made into a movie by the same people who were making The Wooly Mammoth. So Colossus actually bought the movie rights to it. Um, so working on that. But I don't have my next big book yet. I'm really se oh. searching for that next book topic. Um, so, yeah, my eyes are open um, for whatever craziness happens next. Well, an obvious subject is Sam Bankman-Fried, right? Well, unfortunately, Michael Lewis got there first. Um, I was really intrigued <laughs> by it. I know him. I had his phone number. I was ready to go. And I called up my agent. My agent happens to also be uh, Walter Eisen's agent and Michael Lewis's agent. And I said to my agent, hey, you know, I think I should do this SBF story. I know him. I know all this stuff. And he was just silent. And I was like, oh, is Michael doing it? And he's like, yeah, Michael's doing it. Michael's been there for a year. And I'm like, I don't like to step into something that that one of these other authors has been working on for so long um, and sort of compete with them at that phase. Um, obviously, I would write it really fast, but it's it's a great story, but, uh, you know, Michael is, is, is a genius at what he does, and I'm sure he he told, you know, the parts of it that needed to be told. So how do you go about searching for topics then if you're you're on the hunt right now? Yeah, I mean, I've always got my eyes open. I get a lot of phone calls from Hollywood. Honestly, it starts that way a lot. Directors will call me. Actors will call me. Say, hey, have you looked at this story? Have you looked at this story? And I sift through them. Um, I meet with people. Uh, living in Boston is actually a wonderful place for stories because there's so many young, brilliant people. Everything kind of intersects through here. Um, so even if it's a story that takes place far away, there's always a link to Boston, either through one of the universities or right. or science or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I'm always a little nervous, you know, when I finish a book because it's like, when will that next story strike? And it has to be big. It has to be Jurassic Park level big. Um, but you never know. Um, I'll find something in the next month or two. Ben Mesrick is an author based in Boston. His latest book is called Breaking Twitter, Elon Musk and the Most Controversial Corporate Takeover in History. Ben, thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. Say More is a production of the Boston Globe. 
Today's episode was produced by Anna Kusmer with help from Scott Hellman. Our editor is Jim Dow. Our engineer is Uzair Amit. Our music is from APM Music. If you like the show, please follow us and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Email us at saymoreatglobe.com. I'm Shirley Leung. Thanks for listening.